guys, this is Randy Schultz. Welcome to Bird Hunter's Thoughts, Turn Them Loose. Today we're going to cover a Burns, Gambles, and Blue Quail hunt I just completed out at, uh, started in Arizona and uh, moved to New Mexico. And Arizona was Burns and Gambles quail, and New Mexico was Gambles and Blue Quail. So I uh, just finished up. Successful hunt. I uh, don't think I've ever had an unsuccessful hunt. By that I mean I always have fun when I'm in the field, whether I can find birds and harvest quail or not. So be sure and visit my blog, birdhunterthoughts.com. Down the right-hand side, you'll see a list of sponsors, and they're very generous and help me uh, be able to afford these hunts. So. Uh, they're good people, and I use every one of those products uh, all the time, actually. Also on the blog, uh, if you look for, there's a search bar at the top, and uh, if you've got a question about bird hunting, I may have covered it, even the product or a location or, you know, like dog boots, how to boot your dog, for example. I know that's a common question. Uh, that's in there, and I've got... Uh, uh, circles and arrows and pictures and a lot of times there's reference to a YouTube video as well. So feel free to search the blog and uh, you can always contact me at rbjfarm at gmail.com or there's a link to send me a message on the blog as well. So let's go ahead and get started. Well, hello friends. I'm in the opening day of Mern season. I've just left the truck. Hope the wind noise isn't too loud. I just thought that might be a problem, but I'm recording as I'm walking down into a valley with uh, these uh, unique trees and uh, all this grass. It's just beautiful down here. I'm surprised uh, with the lack of rainfall they had this year that there is this much grass and I, and I really think it's because it hadn't been grazed yet. But uh, I've got two dogs on the ground, Shaq and Pearl, uh, because yesterday I hunted desert birds and the other three dogs had a run there. Uh, it's beautiful today, 37 degrees, clear skies. You hear me sniffling here. You hardly, have a, hardly can have a good day in the field unless your nose is running and your fingers are cold, I guess. But it's just gorgeous here today. All these hills sloping downward towards the border we're about I guess about three miles from the fence right now and uh, I'm actually looking down into Mexico and this is the northern boundary or northern edge of the uh, habitat for Merns quail it extends further up into the United States but um, and into uh, New Mexico over into even I've heard they've even got Merns in Texas somewhere, We're usually up in the mountains, up around 5,500 feet or so, elevation. Ah, excuse me, I just stumbled on a rock. You know, these hills down here, I can't have you, you can't see any pictures, but, you know, from, this, from uh, the distance, they look like it'd be just country club walking, but uh, I've been down on the ground several times out here hunting Merns quail because they're basically just boulder fields, uh, rock hills until you get down into the bottoms 
and then it kind of levels out and it's a lot easier walking but walking these hills where these birds like to be uh, can be problematic i'm hunting a 28 gauge with uh six shot i think probably i could go to seven and a halfs or even eights on these birds they're not real tough they're not known as being very tough like uh like uh desert birds are but uh that's what i've got with me and i realized it when i left the truck so i probably would have gone to eight shot before i left but uh shooting a 28 that's plenty of gun and uh, i'm excited to be able to use it on these uh this niche bird because these are just wonderful wonderful birds so uh as we go along down through this hunt today i'm sloping down into a valley where there's a cow tank down there i know about and uh i'll let these dogs go ahead and water it seems like whenever i start they're too excited to drink water and as soon as i get a half mile from the truck they're all parched i don't know if you've run into that or not but it seems to me i my dogs do that all the time so under these trees, I'm looking for the characteristic marks of Mern's quail. They're, they eat tubers. They dig with that uh, powerful middle toe that they've got. And uh, not like normal quail. They eat tubers, and the tubers grow underneath these uh, fir trees, or I could say fir trees. They're evergreens of some type. I wish I would. I'm going to look that up and get that information to you. But unless you've got grass, unless you've got these trees... Uh, rarely are you going to find Mern's quail because they eat the tubers underneath the trees and you can look underneath the trees and see these little divots and a fresh set of divots means that there's a Mern's covey around here somewhere and I like to stop and get the dogs in and just work it and work it and work it more often than not they will find the covey they don't go a long ways they do what you know they walk normally and uh, you can find some fresh diggings you can typically find the, the covey. So uh, I'll update you a little later on as we go. A minute of shameless self-promotion and tell you about my book, Endless October. It's available on Amazon. Uh, it's also available on Kindle. And it's also available on Audible books, and I narrated it myself. My wife talked me into it, and uh, initially I resisted, but I guess it came out okay. Uh, be careful of chapter seven. I almost almost didn't make it through that one. So anyway, uh, those three formats are available to you, and if you'd like an autographed book, then just email me at Endless October Book at gmail.com and uh, we can work out uh, getting you an autographed book in time for Christmas. What a great gift for mom or dad or son or daughter or husband or wife. So Endless October uh, Season 2 should be out here this summer. interesting uh the temperature was about oh, i guess in the high 30s and it was sunny uh, very windy on the ridge lines i mean gusts up to 
30, 40 miles an hour, but down in the draws, it was really pretty nice, just a little bit of a breeze. And my dog's locked up several times, and, uh, you know, you know your dogs after a while. And they were just absolutely swearing there was a covey there. Got me all excited, and we never could produce. Um, right off the start, Pearl locked up, Shaq backed her. Uh, in fact, I took some pictures. They were, they were that they were that tight. Then I went ahead and uh, stowed the camera, and I went up and kicked up, expecting to get a covey of burns up, and uh, nothing. It was kind of a very. No, I mean, I, you know, you never. It's not like I never see that, but I was kind of shocked at these birds because they hold so tight. Typically, there's is a covey there when they point like that. But <clears throat> got down in the bottom and it happened several more times. Uh, began to wonder. And then throughout the day, as I was easing my way down this valley, uh, it just kept happening. I mean, both dogs would lock up or one or the other would point, and I'd go on over there and and not be able to produce birds. Uh, later on, about, oh, I guess about two hours later, I was uh, approaching the bottom of the draw, getting ready to climb back up onto the road and walk back to the truck. And um, I stepped right into a, or actually a bird got up right alongside me. And I turned around to shoot at it uh, and shot, and one got up behind me again, of course, the direction I was going initially. And it went off through the trees, and so I threw some lead at that, missed it. And when I turned to shoot at that one, another one got up off to my left, and you know, how frustrating is that? And I'm sitting there with an empty gun, so I quickly reloaded and couldn't get any more birds up. There was just three of them there which is very unusual in itself. I began to think that perhaps somebody had already been down through that valley. Although this was opening day, so uh, typically you'd think, well, shoot, I should be the only one down this valley. Um, about 30 feet further up the trail, I found a bright orange watch cap, brand new, laying uh, right there in front of me, so I knew that somebody had been down there sometime. Uh, but I went ahead and uh, picked that up and kept going and ended up back at the truck about an hour later, and it turns out the other three guys that had been going down different areas all reported the same thing. Their dogs would lock up, and they wouldn't be able to find birds. And uh, For some reason, the scenting was just horrible, just horrible. Now, it could be because it was extremely dry, it was cold, the, uh, you know, the actual humidity was very low so and all that leads to poor scenting but I mean this was just ridiculous in fact when I brought my dog after those birds flushed I brought my dogs in and you know what usually happens they'll point where the birds were I've seen that a million times I'm sure uh, my dogs were sort of right over the spot I mean they didn't even slow down which is very that was very confusing to me so for some reason we could not find birds and neither could the other guys one guy moved three cubbies uh, he's got pointing labs, who, who I, I've hunted over those labs before, and they're as, as good as any uh, pointing dog I've ever hunted behind. They're very good, and I've always heard labs have great noses, maybe the best. And uh, he reported the same thing. They just walked right into coveys. Never, dogs never pointed, never uh, stopped to point where the birds were or anything. Uh, so it was very unusual. Uh, it was so bad, in fact, we got up to the truck and decided it was just a waste of time beating our dogs up and uh, when uh, they're just not smelling the birds so we knocked off about one o'clock 
in the afternoon and headed back, headed back to the house, and uh, which was fine. I could use a half a day off anyway for these old legs. So we're heading out again now. It's 32 degrees, uh, heading south down near the border, and uh, we expect that we're going to hit a different area, and hopefully we'll have a different result today. So on day two, we moved over to a different area we know about. Uh, last year, I got had a really, really good run on there <clears throat> with a friend that uh, never hunted Merns before. Got seven coveys in four hours. And uh, I think I ruined him. I think he thinks that's what Merns hunting is like. <laughs> but uh, I had a good day that day. So today, we went up there, same place, and uh, had my uh, blue dog down with uh ruby his mama she's about 11 uh she'll be 11 in february and he's three so of course he had a lot more energy but uh he never pointed a mern squail before so this is kind of a neat thing for him lo and behold he found a real good covey locked up and man i'm hustling as fast as i can get across those rocks and i got about 30 40 yards from him and they took off None of them came near me, so I gave him credit anyway. He did a good job on that, real good job. And then uh, later on, I guess about a half an hour later, Ruby pointed a covey, and uh, same thing happened. They got up wild before we get to them. Um, you know, it could be the weather. It was a little breezy. Uh, who knows? But we didn't get a shot at those either. And then coming back down uh, that ridge, back to the truck, uh, blue locked up, just solid, tight as a tick. And a single got up, and I dropped it. And it was a male, beautiful male. And, of course, we got back, took a hero picture. But uh, he did really well, real well. I'm real happy with him. He's going to make a good bird dog. Um, so we ate lunch, came out, moved uh, operations down a little bit closer to the border. Uh, went out with a friend of mine with labs. And... Uh, we didn't do any good there, uh, so they went back to the house, and I decided I was going to go ahead and run Pearl, my little female, about uh, six years old. And uh, we took off and just made a short cast, and, man, she locked up several times. Oh, my gosh, she was just birdie as all get out, just like yes, or day before yesterday when, uh, you know, we couldn't, the, you know, they would lock up, and we wouldn't be able to pick out any birds. But this time uh, I thought for sure we had them. But once again, they gave us a slip. So uh, at least we got some this morning, a couple coveys this morning. And, uh, yeah, it's probably about 60 degrees now, blue skies. It's just absolutely beautiful. But we're going to hang it up and uh, come back and uh, try it again. much that uh, eventually I contacted him and asked him to sponsor me. Uh, talked to Dr. Tim himself. In fact, I did a podcast with Dr. Tim. He's a very interesting guy. Uh, not a bird hunter. Uh, he's a dog sled racer. I don't know. I'm not sure if they, maybe he's a dog sled musher. I'm not sure. 
Maybe I should have asked him that. But he does the Iditarod, and he's raced in Europe. Uh, it's a very interesting interview I had with him, and I suggest you go ahead and listen to that podcast. It's really, really a cool guy. Lives up in Marquette, Michigan. I was up there that way this year, uh, grouse hunting in Michigan. And uh, believe me, that's about as far north as you can get. Uh, but uh, he uh, started making his own kibble to uh, feed his own sled dogs. Uh, he got the concoction right, and uh, his wife said, hey, you ought to just sell that stuff. Well, as usually happens, my wife's the same way. She was brilliant. Uh, so that's what he decided to do. So he's got several different varieties. Uh, I use the one with the Brittany on it. And uh, it's uh, my dogs eat it wet or dry. They lick the bowl, never off their feed. And uh, it's powerful stuff. Uh, the only caution I have is it's powerful stuff. So you want to cut them back in the summertime. And don't suggest that you actually change feeds to something uh, with, with more filler in it. Uh, they actually just suggest that you cut them back and uh, on, the, on the amount. And uh, I know it looks pitiful, but the dogs don't need a bunch. And then when it comes time to increase their feed for hunting season, their VO2 max, which is actually how well they can breathe and get oxygen into their lungs, and out of their lungs into their muscles increases so much more rapidly if you keep the same type of feed. So there's a there's a reason behind it. But it, it is powerful feed, and uh, I've never ever seen my dogs uh, just tear up a food like this, and I'm very very pleased with it. So Dr. Tim's D R T I M S dot com. Well, the next day I decided to move out and hunt some desert birds, uh, gambles quail. So I headed uh, to the, I was hunting out of Tucson, um, was where my friend lives. That's where his house is. So I just went uh, east of Tucson, uh, up the up the freeway a ways. And, uh, and I just departed the freeway at an exit and looked like found some state land and, and uh, looked pretty good. So I put out. I mean, that's uh, nothing more scientific than that, I suppose. But um, as I went through the gate on the state land, uh, you know, I noticed there were some cows in the area, and that's fine. So it's great being grazed, and it looked pretty good. I mean, I saw some quail tracks. Uh, it's supposed to be a very good year for gambles, and as far as I could see, it really was. I think just about anywhere you go that has a decent, any kind of cover, uh, you're going to find birds. And so I drove up through the first gate up to another gate, uh, which was attached to a big corral. Uh, that corral uh, was empty. There were some cows around uh, the area, but it had water, in the, had a water tank in the corral that was spilling over onto the ground. And uh, so I went through that gate, got on the other side of the corral, and the, the road started meandering back into the hills. At that point, I noticed a... Uh, another set of hunters already in there and uh, as much as I wanted to hunt around the corral I, apparently that was, that was a good spot so I continue on up the two track through the mesquite and, uh, 
manzanita and a cactus and uh, went about a mile <clears throat> I noticed I could see a windmill a tank on the uh, horizon I guys just assumed this is where the road went and uh, so I was motoring on down there and uh, it was kind of a nice morning that's kind of pleasant I noticed a couple birds run across the road then a couple more then a couple more and then a couple more there must have been 30 of them across the road right in front of me after I stopped. And I watched them, and they uh, they were coming out of a bottom to my left and up to a rocky hillside on my right. And I could see them. They didn't stop once they get across the road. They went up that rocky hillside, and it looked like, it was funny. It looked like a bunch of insects climbing up those rocks. They didn't go very far, so I just noted where they were. and kept driving down the two-track, and... Uh, I got down about another hundred yards, and uh, yeah, a couple more birds crossed the road, crossed the road, and crossed the road. So and I said, "Okay, that's it." I stopped the truck and got Cap out, and uh, he had injured himself earlier um, in the hunt and had to be stapled up. So this was three days later, and I checked his wound, and it's uh, he looked pretty good. So I put him down and instrumented him up and turned him loose and he went right into the brushy bottom to the left of the road and locked up a couple of times but uh figured out they weren't there and then he started trailing those birds right across the road in front of me and up the side of the hill and uh we we, we tracked him up uh he'd point and move point and move and i'm right behind him we came out of the the low trees now we're climbing up this rocky hillside with uh very little cover but every once in a while, I could see a bird up ahead of me running. and So I knew they were still ahead of me. So finally, he just stopped, and uh, he pointed, and I uh, wouldn't move. I uh, moved up ahead. I went outside of his, uh, to the side of him, climbed up the hill, and then started walking into him laterally. And there was about 30 birds got up, and uh, I uh, got lucky and dropped a couple of them. Uh, so we uh, we celebrated a little bit and then continued to chase those birds. Um, I finally uh, started getting some singles up, but I really never got any shots at them. So finally I turned around and, and headed back down and kind of over that hill and down into a little valley and back up another hill and back to the truck, sort of in a big loop. Uh, while I was heading back to the truck, uh, he pointed ahead of me, looking up the side of the hill. And I took about three more steps. And that first covey that crossed the road, that's where they were, and they took off, and I watched them fly on down uh, in down towards the road and then along the road and then off the road, kind of back up where I came from and settled down. Uh, what's kind of funny, uh, as we're sitting there watching these birds fly, uh, that, group from, that group of people from the corral, as I went in, came down the road, and uh, I hadn't heard any shooting over there at the corral at all. I think they were just a little early. I think the birds hadn't come in yet for their water, but they came flying down the road in a mule, two of them sitting inside and one of them standing up the top, holding on, looking for birds. Uh, I guess they're just road hunting. And they came by and they heard all the shooting going on up in the hillside and uh, came on down to see what was going on. They flew by me on the road down there, managed to get around my truck down on the two-track, and they went on head over to the... To the uh, windmill about uh probably about 500 yards further down the road so i expected to hear some shooting out of them but i didn't uh so i took cap on down to the 
truck, put him up, got Shaq out, and took Shaq on down and found that other covey. And they're pretty much where they landed. They hadn't run that far. I, I think that was just due to inexperience on their part from being pressured by hunters. Probably all new birds. Um, so we got a couple out of that covey and running those rocks. Um, didn't do their feet any good. Um, they were they were kind of limping. I, I think that really it was there wasn't any cactus uh, on the ground so much that was getting uh, it was getting into their feet. It was just that that sharp volcanic rock and uh, you know well no sand spurs or anything like that. I think uh, but that sharp just you know different sizes. Uh, it's not a consistent size and you know the dogs are hitting it pretty hard because they're chasing birds. So I think if I have to go down there again and hunt that kind of terrain, I'm going to go ahead and boot them up. But, uh, you know, they'll heal up in a day or two, but uh, it'd be better just to boot them up in that kind of terrain. So so anyway, we ended up finding five cubbies that morning in about four hours. And then I decided to go ahead and, and move on further east um, and in search of some more merns and uh, some blue quail maybe over in New Mexico. The next day we had a little bit of a change of venue, and I moved up near Roosevelt Lake and headed on the north side of Roosevelt Lake, where in many years ago I had several great hunts up there, so I figured I'd take the dogs up there, and uh, we got up oh, way out in the middle of nowhere, found a nice draw, and I put blue down my pup. I call him a pup still, because, but he's three years old, and he has come along and been just a fine bird dog, and I'm just really pleased with him. We got down there, and he worked like a champ. Uh, we saw a lot of tracks, and but we couldn't produce any birds. I didn't see any running. I didn't, you know, we weren't busting them up. We weren't doing anything. We, we, we just couldn't find them, so, you know, after about an hour going up this draw, we turned around, got on the other side of the draw, it's pretty wide, probably 100 yards, maybe 150 yards wide, and so I got down the other side, started coming back, and uh, I uh, I walked right over the top of one, a single, it took off, and by the time I got my startled self <laughs> with a gun up, my shot and missed, and it was it was a long ways away anyway. Blue came running back, of course, pointed where the bird was, got all excited, and really got him turned on. So we started working. He started working a little closer with a lot more intensity. And I decided I was going to climb out of the draw. And the only way to do that was to go right underneath this big tree. So I stepped underneath the tree and started to climb up the hillside. And that's when another single got up. It was so close to me, I felt it brush my face. Didn't have a chance to shoot at it, but it took off. So I knew there were some birds around there, and Blue once again was working like a champ. But uh, finally, he dis disappeared around the corner and in the draw. And I heard <clears throat> Miss Pager go off. So I hustled down there, and man, he looked like a million bucks. Made my trip. He was pointed and locked up tight. And I walked up and. Uh, casually kicked a little clump of uh, grass that was in front of him. And uh, right as I kicked, my foot hit something. I stumbled. The bird got up. 
ah, dog ate my homework, whatever I missed. <laughs> so he went after it, and uh, of course he couldn't find it. But even so, you take small victories when you can, and I was thrilled that he uh, <clears throat> that he did what he did. So we moved from there on down to the south side of the lake, and I put my pearly dog down, and uh, she worked hard, hard, hard. But we did not move a bird, and uh, we saw a few tracks, but uh, there were more birds way up on the north side than there were on the south side. Not only that, but it got to be about 75 degrees, so we knocked off right at sunset. It was hot. And uh, I went ahead and fed the dogs right there and I loaded them up got ready for another day. Hey guys, one of my sponsors is ESP America. That's Electronic Shooters Protection America. And uh, they uh, graciously agreed to sponsor my podcast. Um, I actually wear my ear attenuators. They're uh, custom fit, uh, molded to my ears, and they don't fall out. Uh, They've got several different modes to them, electronic modes. Uh, I like them especially because I can wear them in areas where there's a lot of wind, and it doesn't just uh, drive me crazy doesn't totally block out the wind, but, you know, it's got a, a wind-outside mode, and it really minimizes the impact on that, and yet you can still hear the birds flush, and people talk, and uh, it blocks out everything over 90 decibels, so when you shoot your gun, it doesn't damage your auditory nerve. In my case, uh, there's not much left to damage on the right-hand side. I think I'm about 90% loss on my right ear, and that's because of the, uh, I shoot left hand, left-handed, and uh, my left ear is still pretty normal, and I want to, I want to keep it normal for the rest of my life, so I wear these attenuators when I hunt, when I shoot, and uh, they do an excellent job, ESPAmerica.com, tell them Randy sent you. So the next day, I changed the venue one more time, moved over to New Mexico, and uh, I was uh, hunting some uh, state land outside of Lordsburg, uh, between Lordsburg and Sapper, uh, just inside of New Mexico. It's a lot of public land, and uh, when I went through the first time going to Arizona, it went pretty good. I got over here this time. And actually took a closer look, and it had been grazed over pretty good. The problem is that the uh, state and uh, BLM land is being grazed, and they've had so little rainfall that when the grass got grazed down to nothing, it never got a chance to grow back. So it's uh, pretty bare. Um, and interestingly, I was driving around out here on some state land and kind of got off the main road and Got further and further back and found a two-track that kind of took off under the under the land. And so I said, well, what the heck? So I turned down this uh, two-track. And after about a mile or so, I saw a corral ahead, which is a great thing. Uh, 
these birds like structure. So uh, I always check out corrals pretty well. And then I got closer. I noticed that this corral had a uh, stock tank that was overflowing, and uh, there was a little pond there. It was uh, that's even better. So I jumped out, checked for tracks, and uh, lo and behold, there were a lot of them. Uh, birds that come in for water, they don't really require that, but when there's water around, I know they'll take advantage of it. So I noticed there was a lot of tracks uh, around the corral. And uh, it's, I wish I could show you a picture. I was kind of a little bit up on a rise. <laughs> as far as I could see, in every direction, it was just like the surface of the moon. I even got out my binoculars and stood there and kind of looked around. And Sometimes you can spot these birds running or walking or actually in a bush, but uh, I didn't see anything. So I let the dogs out. And I uh, let them water and uh, load them back up after all that fall to all. And then decided that uh, there was another two-track that took off from the stock tank and just headed out into the uh, state land. Uh, so I, I said, what the heck? So I took it, and uh, we're driving down the ease and on down this way. I'm kind of looking for tracks in the road and... Uh, and that kind of thing. And uh, finally, I noticed some shrubs up ahead, which is pretty unusual. And also, I couldn't see them from the road, but I noticed them now. It turns out there's a wash that runs down maybe two miles through this land. And uh, paralleling that is another wash for maybe a mile, uh, offset by about 100 yards. So the road went down, the two-track went down through this wash, came out the other side. And when I was down inside there, I noticed it was just absolutely torn up with bird tracks. So we got up the other side, and I stopped and let a dog out, let Cap out, my number one dog. And uh, he immediately went on point. Move, point, move, point, move, like you do when we're chasing blues with a broke dog anyway. I don't think I'd let him. I definitely wouldn't let a puppy out on these birds. They learn all kinds of bad things. But um, so he finally locked up on a big mess of mesquite. I got up there, got a good cubby rise, and uh, he uh, he was the birds got up a little too far out to shoot. So uh, I watched where they landed, and we went after him again. And uh, finally, finally he pointed where four of them got up, knocked one down, and uh, and uh, then it was just having a good day. I, every single dog I put out one at a time, and they all got some good work. Uh, Ruby, <laughs> she's uh, she's my oldest dog, a matriarch of the clan, and uh, she's absolutely uh, a dead broke dog. I mean, she's just a wonderful bird dog. So we got into so many birds that uh, they come up behind me, in front of me, off to the side of me, and uh, she's... Standing on point, a cub will get up too far out to shoot, and so she'll pick the direction they went, go and go after them, and point them in a shrub. And I'd get over there, and one of them would get up, and I'd shoot, and so on like that. And we went on like that for about an hour. Uh, it was just great. Birds everywhere. Uh, knocked down uh, four or five birds, and 
it was just uh, it was just a lot of fun. One thing I noticed from her that I thought was really outstanding is uh, I was up on a little bit of a rise so I could watch her, and uh, she had left the wash, which was no more really than an indentation. It wasn't really a gully. And uh, she ran up, uh, I guess she was trailing them. She went up and pointed a bush, uh, a speed bush, and uh, it was locked up pretty tight. And I was on my way over there, uh, even though I could kind of see her from above. I started to head over that way. And suddenly four birds ran out from that bush. And she saw them, and she did not move one step. Her head just kind of, her head kind of jerked up a little bit, and she looked at them. And she just was staunch as can be, and uh, they they ran out. Four birds ran out into another bush about 40 yards away. She was still staunch, and I went up in front of her, and uh, they got up, and I shot. And uh, it was just, you know, you just can't buy wisdom like that. That only comes from work all over the country on different kinds of birds. She was just real, real solid. And uh, it just warmed my heart to see a dog that just handled these birds so well. So we had a blast. Uh, uh, the biggest issue was keeping them hydrated. You know, we are in the desert, and even though it was it was about 65 degrees at that time, so it was pretty warm. But I went through uh, gallons of water, as much as I could carry. And, uh, in fact, uh, at the end of the day, I didn't have a lick of water left, and I think I started out with four gallons of water. So keeping them hydrated is a real a real issue out here. One good point is I didn't need to boot them, which was uh, kind of unusual on a dry year like this. Sand spurs are usually really a problem. But in this particular place, uh, we didn't have any sand spurs, so it was great having dogs that didn't need to be booted and uh, – and the birds all over the place. So I learned a lesson there, and now what I do is I'll, uh, even though it looks like it's pretty bare, I'll find a two-track heading out, and then I'll look for these uh, tops of shrubs that follow washes. And occasionally there'll be a bigger tree. And so if I'm out here and, and I'm working a really bare area and I see uh, the tops of some trees, uh, and that's immediately where I head to, and sure enough, there used to be a wash there. And checking for tracks the whole time. These are uh, these birds. You have to use everything you have, and uh, tracking them is certainly a way to go. It's certainly one of the one of the uh, arrows in your quiver that you get to use. And so I use it all the time. When I see fresh tracks, you know, I'll follow them. Uh, the dogs in front of me and and eventually we'll find them. So it was a really good day, and uh, it all came uh, between noon and, and sunset, which was 5.45. And we uh, just, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's great to have a couple of days where you work real hard and don't find much, and then finally get into birds and, and do a lot of shooting. And uh, everybody got a chance. Everybody had a blast. days of hunting in western New Mexico for uh, Gamble's quail. I decided to pull chocks and move over to eastern New Mexico uh, for my, in my old hunting grounds over there that I've been to for uh, many years now, 15, 
plus years, I guess, and uh, go ahead and bag a few blue quail, and that would give me blues, gambles, and burns. And uh, that would be just a great trip. I drove over there uh, knowing that they were in the middle of a pretty good drought. Uh, their typical rainfall is about 15 inches a year, and they've had six since January. So, I mean, it, I knew I was semi-prepared for what I was going to see, but it was worse than uh, I imagined. A lot of places that were covered with grass and quail were literally sand dunes. And um, I used to think that it was cows that did that. Made sense. Cows eat the grass down to the ground and there was no rain to come back to regenerate, but even on lands that didn't have any cows on it, it looked the same. So, I don't know. You figure it out. But I got over there and there was uh, very little cover, very little grass. And grass is sort of the key for these birds. Whenever I see grass, that's where I go. And typically, uh, if there's birds in the area, they'll be around the grass. Like, it provides cover and seeds to eat, uh, but a lot of cover, too, because their main predator is not me. It's a hawk. So they need cover from above, so grass, mesquite trees, draws, that kind of thing. That's where the birds will be. So I went over there and uh, put out in a couple of favorite spots, didn't find anything, didn't see any tracks, moved over to another one, and so on like that. I was driving down a Caliche road. Caliche is the local gravel they use to dig out of pits out of the ground and cave, that's in quotation marks, the roads through the oil fields called Caliche, driving down a Caliche road, getting beat up pretty bad because oil trucks really mess up the roads. And I saw a couple of birds run across the road. Well, I stopped, and I, I was hoping that it was the lead uh, scouts from the covey and not the tail end Charlies. And in fact, it was, there was the lead, about 20 birds crossed the road, well, about 50 yards ahead of me. And I said, okay, we can play that game. So I pulled off the road, I pulled Pearl out, <clears throat> didn't have to boot her up since there was no grass, there were no sand spurs. It was great in that regard. And turned her loose. Now, everybody's got that has more than one dog and knows that each dog has its own strength and weakness. Pearl is a six year old female, liver, spade, not by choice. She had pyometra in Montana a couple of years ago. I had to have an emergency spay done on her up in Conrad, Montana, which is a shame because I wanted to breed her to my dog, Cap get some puppies, but I digress. Anyway, she has uh, got her strengths and her weaknesses just like any dog. A good owner will know what each dog can do and can't do. My dogs are all pretty pretty strong in all regards. However, comma, my little pearly girl is special. And I mean special. She will point like a dream, handles like a dream, fast, beautiful on point. She locks up. She is staunch. 
until something moves. <laughs> and by something moves, I mean it could be a blade of grass in the wind. <laughs> so my little pearly girl took off, <clears throat> picked up the scent of the covey, went about 40 yards and locked up. Right about then, I was watching this as I was hustling over to her. I saw five or six birds run out of the bush toward the ski bush that she was pointing. And I said to myself, oh, no. Yep, she broke. She went after those birds. They flushed. And the chase was on. <laughs> All I saw was a brown blur going through the, the skeet. I didn't bother to yell at her. I've seen this act before. So some may say, well, why put her on the ground? And I said, well, she's one of my dogs. She gets to hunt just like the rest of them. So she was uh, arcing around within a 500-yard circle pretty much getting everything to fly, including a few rabbits. And uh, I finally got her back and put her in the truck, and we started to drive a little bit more around the Caliche roads through the oil fields and uh, came across another covey that ran across, and I went ahead and uh, was Shaq down. Shaq is actually Pearl's litter mate, six again. And whereas Pearl weighs 30 pounds and, just a little rocket ship. Shaq weighs, oh, I'd say pretty close to 48 pounds. And he's just a gentle giant. <clears throat> but he was precociously good from a very young age. And uh, I put him on the trail of the birds, and he went over there and pointed like a million bucks. Same thing happened. Four or five birds ran out of the bush. His head came up, and he just watched. Uh, that's a staunch dog. Not many will do that. So I went over him and said, okay, which is my release command. And uh, he trailed him and pointed, trailed him and pointed. And we worked him for about a half a mile. They never got him up. And then finally, they just disappeared. And what will happen is, you know, a couple will peel off to the right, a couple will peel off to the left. Pretty soon all you have is the last one left. And sometimes it'll run about 50 yards ahead of you and just flush out. And there went your 30 birds. And you're standing out in the field with egg on your face, and that's pretty common. So the next day we went uh, to a place, my friend said, uh, they got a bunch, about 19 cubbies up. Uh, and uh, we went up there. We hunted around for in the morning. I never saw a bird. I hunted... Uh, state land, public land, and also BLM land, which is what they were hunting. Now, it was pretty windy, and I think a lot of times those birds will hunker down, and they'll go to cover, and, uh, you know, but I hunted the cover, so we couldn't figure out. It was still very, very dry. Hunted around some water holes, got nothing. So I went on down to this place where uh, my friend said they hunted, found a lot of coveys, and pulled in, and uh, sitting there kind of thinking about getting some lunch, uh, truck was running, trying to stay warm, head cap in the right seat with me, and I'm on what's called the cap, and uh, there are ridge lines running through New Mexico, you've seen them in movies before where they have a, a straight-sided, uh, like a little island in the desert, going up maybe 100 feet or so, well, 
a lot of times that uh, there'll be a big ridge line, and on top is called the cap. And uh, I was sitting right along the edge of the cap, kind of looking out over some sand dunes and looking at the mountains, and uh, it was really kind of pretty. And uh, I kind of glance out in the front, and about 40 yards ahead of the truck, coming up from the bottom of the cap, was no less than 30 loop well. I'll kind of hunker down, walk along in a line, be bopping along, walked right in front of the truck, and I know where they were headed. There was a water tank off to my left, and they were walking right to left. So I said, all right, we can play this game. I turned off the truck and let a dog out and uh, went over there and put him on the scent. We went after those critters. They let us chase them for a while, point, move, point, move, that kind of thing, and they made a big circle around to the right. They got within 50 yards of the edge of the cap, and they flushed, and they flew right on down off the cap. These guys are smart. So I went back to the truck, and uh, drove around a little bit more, had some lunch, and it happened again, same thing, big covey. Let us chase them, got close to the cap, they flushed off, went down the cap. So here I am in day two of my uh, eastern New Mexico blue quail hunt, and I have not even fired my gun. <laughs> so the next day, my uh, friend says, okay, tell you what, take my mule. And uh, it's a ranger, actually, and oh, man, the ride is just like like glass, man, smooth as glass. You get on those glitchy roads, and you can drive a lot faster than you can in a truck. Take my mule, go down here to this certain area, and uh, drive around down there. I found a lot of cubbies last year. Let's see what we can do this year. And I did that next morning, and I drove nine miles around in the, in the oil fields, uh, more than half of them with a dog out front, going on either side of the road, and pipeline and two-track, and uh, yeah, we went everywhere we could think. We headed to every bit of cover we could find. And uh, the dogs are trained to stay out in front and go on either side, and, you know, about 50 yards out either side. So I was cutting about a 100-yard swath, and they didn't even heat up. It's not like they, uh, not like they pointed we couldn't find birds. We, we never even found a track. So I loaded up after a while and went back up on top, up on the cab, um, to a place that uh, traditionally has always had birds in it. And uh, we had a different kind of problem there. As we were pulling in, there was a, a road hunter driving around in his truck. And, you know, that's, uh, <clears throat> I'm not looking down my nose at that at all because that's the easy way to do it. But driving around in his truck and just watching for birds crossing the road, jumping out and going after them. And that's... Uh, uh, you know, I pull in right behind them and uh, got the mule out and drove around for about six or seven miles around in that local area. We know once again we're cutting a swath with a dog on the ground. Never saw a thing. I'm noticing more and more people out here in New Mexico are hunting off of mules. I call them mules. It's just a generic for the UTV. And I tell you, it's really a way to go. I kind of resisted initially. I'd come out and 
say, no, no, i got to do it the old way, the old traditional way. Well, the old traditional way is on horseback, I imagine. But anyway, the uh, mules evolved, and uh, it's legal to do it as long as you're on a charted public road. And I'm sure that that rule is bent a lot, but that is the rule. And you can get back on that BLM land, uh, which, you know, you'd need a, a Jeep or, you know, sand tires and a dune buggy on a lot of these two tracks on BLM. You can drive them, but, you know, it doesn't mean it's uh, smart. <laughs> but those mules, they just go right over that stuff so you can get back in. It opened up vast areas of uh, bird hunting. The average guy so I'm tempted to get one I've got a real good friend who lives out there that's got one I can use so I don't uh, have to do that yet but uh, but I tell you what that's that really seems the way to go especially in New Mexico uh, especially in that eastern New Mexico area well, most other places I can get to with my truck all you need is a little four-wheel drive and I've been some. I've been places in that Ford F-250 that uh, I never would have thought possible, but it's beginning to look like it too. So, so if you want a truck to last 500,000 miles, you might not want to do that to it a lot. Well, that was it for the uh, hunt. I headed out home the next day, and I'm actually driving uh, past Monroe, Louisiana, birthplace of Delta Airlines, and uh, on my way back. Uh, Zebulon, Georgia. Had a great time. Harvested uh, burns and gambles, and uh, the blues gave me the slip, which was the last thing I would have expected. I shot that 28 gauge the entire time, and I tell you, I'm really impressed. That it's the first time I really hunted with a 28 was this year. And uh, for some reason, and I don't know why, maybe someone that has knowledge of the ballistics and so on you could tell me but subjectively the thing seems to just smack them harder than a 20 maybe it's because if you get on the shot pattern smaller I don't know but I do know that uh, I really enjoy hunting with it and uh, what I think I'm going to do is swap one of my boxes for a much higher quality 28 gauge uh, double trigger with a pistol stock, something like that. I don't know. It's going to have to be probably a name I can't pronounce, but I guess I'll get on Gun Trader or somebody like that and see if I can find a 28 gauge somebody wants to swap for. Well, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Don't forget to check out my sponsors, drtims.com, best dog food on the market. And ESP America, that stands for Electronic Shooters Protection, America.com, ESPAmerica.com. So tell them Randy sent you with you. Buy those hearing attenuators to save your hearing. Don't do like I did. I'm just trying to save what I got left. So once again, visit my blog, abirdhunterstoughts.com. And on the right-hand side, see a list of my sponsors and there are some discounts on there i think dr tims has a good discount uh, there's a link to esp america gaia gps for all your navigation needs and that's exactly what i use uh, there's a discount there for them and also next mile meals which uh, i really really enjoy those they cook up great they taste great 
So till next time, try to be the man your bird dog thinks you are.